sticking with the holiday break idea, we took a break from filming Amplify Your Business and instead we are resurfacing one of our favorite episodes from our past couple of years of filming Amplify Your Business. Now, this particular interview is with Trisha Bauer. She is the Chief Baking Officer over at Eat My Shortbread. I want to share this one with you for two reasons. One, I mean, when I think about shortbread, I think about Christmas and vice versa. Those are two very much linked for me and there is nobody that does shortbread better than Trisha. Now, the other thing that I really appreciated about this interview was the fact that she says that her success was really built on her staying within her lane, having laser focus on the things that she does great. And there is nobody that does shortbread better than this lady. And there's a reason why she's been so successful. I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. So check it out. So I'm joined today with Trisha Bauer, Chief Baking Officer with Eat My Shortbread. Welcome to the show, Trisha. Hey, thank you so much, Lance. Now, I'm serious. Off the top of the show here, talking about how great your product is. And you had sent over a bunch of different uh, little treats for me. So this is the little bite-sized shortbread. This is Crack, uh, which has uh, the caramel salted caramel uh, coated on top of it. And you can see it's pretty much empty. I have one little piece left that in here because it is truly crack. It's unbelievable. Um, The brownie with the caramel and that in it that you sent me was incredible. You also sent a bunch of of these um, um, scones, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they are super tasty too. So a bunch of different flavors there. And and uh, yeah, my family's just been enjoying it, eating it all up. It is really, really tasty stuff. So um, I was excited to see this big package show up and we've been nibbling on this for a little while. Um, but enough about my love of shortbread. Let's talk a little bit about your business and uh, what it was that you wanted to create. So tell me the backstory to eat my shortbread. Sure, sure. Um, so a long time ago, probably um, in the early 90s, I tasted some shortbread at a family function and I knew instantly I could do something with it. I immediately stuffed my hoodie pocket with the shortbread cookies <laughs> and went to a private place in the house and devoured them. So this was my, this was a family recipe um, that had been in the family for generations, but I had never tried it. And I'm youngest of seven kids, grew up in Northern Ontario, always cooking, always baking, always creating in the kitchen. And um, as the daughter of two entrepreneurs, I knew at some point in my life, I would want my own business. I just didn't know exactly what that would look like. Um, I was uh, a career person in Toronto for a long time, working with families and individuals with uh, developmental disabilities and mental health disorders. And at that time, I moved in the direction of creating this business on the side and producing for people if they asked at Christmas time. Um, And then it was sort of with by 2014, knowing yeah, like I, it was a, it was a long road. It was a long hustle. Um, but knowing I wanted to do something special with it. Yeah. Well, and so what inspired you to do so many different things with the shortbread? Because the typical shortbread cookies are, are pretty 
plain, right? And I, I mean, you have the bites, which are just shortbread, but by adding the other elements to the shortbread that you're, that you have, it's, it's absolutely takes it to a totally different level. In my business, uh, much like in my life, I knew that I, I wanted to put something out in the world that was a little bit different from what was out there. So something unique, something where I did not cut corners and something that I created so that I, cause then I, A, I would be accountable for it, responsible for it, but I could also take all the credit because yeah. I need it. Right. Um, so when I opened my bricks and mortar store in 2015 in Oshawa, Ontario, at the time I was like, I'm not going to be like Krispy Kreme where people come just for the donuts. I'm not going to be there yet. Right. Even though in my mind, I'm like, people are going to be lined up for miles just to get the shortbread out of the oven. (laughs) Realistically, I knew that I had to have other elements to my bakery. And I actually started with my own soups and sandwiches and salads. And I did all this stuff until about 2017 and recognized if I wanted to do this seriously, then I needed to focus on baked goods. Hmm. Um, So pulling in those elements of the scones like mastering the scones, the salted caramel brownie that you tasted, um, our cookies, our standalone cookies, like s'mores and chocolate chip, like all of these recipes I've created or culled from other recipes that have worked for me. And just knowing that people love something that's different and unique, but yet familiar. Yeah. So, so with the, with the salted caramel, that seems to be a bit of a theme that goes across a couple of the different baked goods that you sent me anyway. Is that kind of the signature flavor then that you, that you have with your, your business or is it um, just happened? Um, you sent me a couple that were that. I sent, I definitely sent you our top sellers. Okay. Um, and the funny story about the crack is that in tw- at the end of 2017, we did the Toronto Christmas market. And our shortbread looked a little different then. We've sort of revamped and streamlined things now. But back then, um, we had created so much product due to a production um, error on the spreadsheet. And my husband takes full responsibility for that. <laughs> we had created so much shortbread that in January, after the event, I was like, oh my gosh, like I, I can only donate so much to the food bank. And I didn't really know what to do with it. And then um, after some discussion with friends and family and, and Greg, my husband, I was like, you know what, let's do crack, Christmas crack. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, but with the saltines and the, the um, brown sugar, and you bake it in the oven. And I was like, I'm going to create crack, but I'm going to make it elevated because I'm going to use my shortbread. Yeah. So that's how that was born. And then eventually within a year and a half, I realized, you know, I can't really call it crack. Coming like coming from a social work background, <laughs> I knew I needed to kind of be a little bit more sensitive just to the opioid crisis, to the fact yeah. that this could trigger for some customers that, it's just not in me to ever be that way. So um, a girlfriend of mine from Ireland suggested crack, which in Ireland is, is Gaelic for like fun times and good times. So I thought that was perfect. Oh, that's really but cool. Going back to your question about the salted caramel, salted caramel, I don't know if you've noticed, but has really risen in popularity in the past five years. And it's just something that 
that resonates with a lot of people because it there's sweetness there, there's salt there, and especially in the crack, there's some fudgy pieces, there's some crispy pieces. It it really is a, to me, it is the perfect flavor combination with the shortbread. Oh, yeah, like I've never tasted shortbread like that ever. Like um, you know, some people will put different types of toppings on their shortbread for the Christmas shortbreads, right? Uh, cookies and so on, but. I've never tasted anything like this. It's, it is really great. And, and I love the way that it's all broken up, right? It's, you must make it in a sheet or something and then you break it because it's just all different shapes and so on and, and just tasty and, and like it's different sizes and there's chunks in it and there. And it's just, yeah, it is so good. Um, very dangerous. <laughs> it really truly is. Yeah. Okay. So I uh, eat your, sh- eat, or sorry, eat my shortbread. The name, I just want to want to address that right off the top here. So how'd you come up with the name? Because it's uh, it's very different than what you would hear any other bakery really call their 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 business. So uh, walk me through the naming process that you had. So if you can't tell by now, <clears throat> pardon me, I have a great sense of humor and I don't take life too seriously. And so why would I want to call my company something really serious? Like or boring, like Trisha shortbreads, or I don't know. So um, the name obviously is a derivative from Eat My Shorts from Bart Simpson. Yeah. And it just sort of happened um, that that grew into the company's name because it's sort of tongue in cheek. It's this call to action, like Eat My Shortbread, right? <laughs> and it gives people sort of that, um, it disarms people. Certainly, like when I would do a lot of shows in person and events, people would be like, eat, eat what? And I'm like, it's eat my shortbread. And then they're like, oh yeah, right. So it immediately disarms someone who might just be feeling a little like, you know, whatever. Um, so it's, I've had a lot of fun with the name. People respond really well to it. And as a call to action, you actually, you really should eat my shortbread. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the fact that it is a call to action. that's right within the name. It's, it's really right. great. I think it's brilliant. Now, one thing that some people might be concerned about when they get to like really narrow it down to one product, because you do multiple other products, was that a concern of yours at all, where it's just in the name focused on shortbread? I think initially it was. Um, and, but also knowing obviously that I would have to bring in other products to when I was building my brand. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with it because it's, uh, I know that's not what you're implying that's something wrong with it, but it's like, I think it, it, it stays in people's minds. Right. And so then they, I want that name to be synonymous with premium baked goods. Yeah. Well, and the, and the product speaks for itself. I mean, right across the board, all the products that uh, I've tasted is, is just fantastic. So, okay. So let's get uh, into your journey of entrepreneurial, uh, your entrepreneurial journey. So when you started uh, the business back in 95, and I think is what you said, right. And then it was uh, 2014 when you really, you know, stepped it up to more of a full-time business. So there was quite a number of years there in which you were doing it as a bit of a side hustle. Um, I'm really curious about, um, you know, that's a long time to kind of foster a business. And so what was holding you back from jumping in with both feet and really, you know, 
declaring that this is what you're going to be doing now and stepping away from that, uh, the, the, the other job, the paying job. Mm -hmm. It's, this is such a challenge for entrepreneurs and, uh, I can only speak to my experience with it, of course, but I, I had three reasons to not do it. My three children, Hmm. but I also had three reasons to do it because I wanted to be an example to my children that you can pursue your dreams, you can pursue your goals. And at the same time, you, you know, you can meet the needs of others in your family. You can still be a friend and be a parent and be a spouse and all of that stuff. So it was, it, it did take a long time. And I think if I ever went on Dragon's Den, they'd be like, what? Like, how come your company isn't, you know, uh, how come your valuation isn't 500 million or something? If you've been <laughs> at this for so long. Yeah. Um, and I've now, I've never just done it for the money, obviously. I, that's a whole other, that's a whole other conversation. Um, it's terrifying to stop receiving the paycheck from your nine to five. And the way that I did that was I took baby steps, incremental steps. That's why it's taking me so long to create this business and bring it to where it is, because I think it's really, really wise to know yourself, to know your product and know the marketplace and, and treat yourself with um, kindness, right? Like treat yourself as you know, really support and know yourself and honor what you're saying about your business and what you're able to manage and what you're able to handle. And at the same time, you've got to take risks, but they can be calculated risks, strategic risks. So, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, so like for, for me, when I think of, you know, uh, a woman with three children, you know, as you're trying to build this business and to make that leap, I, that's, that's really scary. There's a lot of responsibilities there. Um, and also a lot of commitments, um, you know, t- on your time and, and so on. So to be able to try to foster a business at the same time would be difficult, but then also, you know, just jumping in because um, for me, I, and this is one of the things I, I love talking to really young people. Um, I uh, had an opportunity when I was uh, in high school, they were running a pilot program uh, for entrepreneurship. And so they were trying to encourage, um, you know, high school kids to, to start little businesses and, and so on. And so it was a really exciting program and uh, I, it was in a smaller uh, town. And, and so there just wasn't anything like that ever done before. And so I was one of the first kids to kind of go through that uh, program. And so I started uh, my first business when I was 17, because it was a kind of a, a pass or fail. You had to, if you made a dollar, you, you passed. If you didn't, you, you, you failed kind of thing. And uh, all the different steps and processes and the research and the market testing, all that stuff we had to go through and learn, uh, which it was just absolutely fascinating. But I tell young people, like you have the greatest opportunity uh, to be an entrepreneur at that moment in time before you have a family. Uh, before you have the mortgage, before you have all these things, especially if you can be living at home and, and be able to create something too, you, you have so little expenses. And so the risk of failure is so incredibly low. 
but the risk of failure for somebody who has three children that they're trying to uh, feed and support and run around to sports and everything else, like it's, it's really scary. And so it's amazing in some respect that anybody at that stage in their life can actually start any type of business because it is really difficult. There's a lot of risk there. There really is. And it's not for the faint of heart. You know, I was solo parenting at that time um, and working and just, just sorting stuff out. Um, It's yeah. The, the advice that I give to people now who, who ask that question, like what helps you decide or how am I going to know when is the best time to go, um, you know, to leave my job and do this. And, and we could sit down and I could say, well, let me look at your numbers, but it's more, it's not just about your numbers. It's about how ready are you to do all the work and how ready do you feel to, to take that leap? Yeah. And I think one part for me, Lance, that I kept going back to in my mind, I've had a career I have tons of transferable skills. If this fails, if I need to, I can go back or I can look to the left or look over there and find something else. Just if my business is not a success or the success that I want it to be, I still have tons and tons of things to offer, Mm. right? And there's lots of different ways to make money legally. And so it's, that was always in the back of my mind. And at the same time going, I am not going to fail. I, this is, I am doing this. Like I'm taking this right to the end. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So let's speaking of that, Ben, what is the secret to your success thus far? What do you think has driven your success? Um, I would say really knowing myself, and I know I've mentioned that, knowing myself, knowing my capabilities, okay. and staying in my lane, right? I have laser focus, and I stay in my lane. Everyone else is doing cupcakes, not me, right? Mm-hmm. I know my product. I know myself. I know what sells. I know my customers. Um, I would also say that things like I do a lot of listening. I don't necessarily do a lot of talking, but I listen quite a lot to other entrepreneurs, to experts, to, you know, people that have, have come before me and listen to people's mistakes. I, I, of course I'm talking to you, but my preferred way of learning is listening. Yeah. So speaking on that, or just digging into that a little bit. So um, what piece of advice or pieces of advice have you picked up or received along your journey that were really profound and really impacted then your success and and what you're you're doing today an important thing that I realized early on and I used to say this to other entrepreneurs was any opportunity that came along say yes to it Hmm. and then I was like "Mm, is that true though is that really what would benefit me the most so what I do say now when opportunities come is I say, maybe, maybe I'll take a look at it. And oftentimes it ends up being a no, thank you. Yeah. Like I appreciate the opportunity, but this isn't, doesn't fit into whatever. Um, 
because I think as on, as an entrepreneur, it's like, I'm, I get out of the gate and I'm like, yes, of course I'll do that. Yes. I can make that for you. I don't do wedding cakes, but I'll make yours. Right. Like it was just sort of this crazy pandemonium and this panicky feeling like, well, I've got to make money right away. I've got to do it. Yep. Calm down, just relax, know who you are, know your products, know your value, know your pricing. Um, and I would say that's a secret. That's not a secret, but that's, a, that's why I've been successful um, is because I continue to put one foot in front of the other every single day. And I'm very um, calm and I think I'm wise about the decisions I make for my company. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great piece of advice because I've heard the same thing before from other people, especially in the early days. And it's so easy to fall into that as a new entrepreneur or, or a business where you're struggling to try to get the revenue going because in the early days, it's tough um, because you're not known, right? Your product isn't as refined. You don't have a bunch of people who have already used it, uh, purchased it or whatever, right? So it is really difficult to uh, be disciplined enough to not say yes to all of those potential opportunities that take you, like you said, outside of your lane, essentially. And those are distractors because, um, you know, one of the, which is really tightly related to, to your piece of advice is that I've been given uh, before is that you really, everything that you say yes to, you're saying no to everything else, right? So when you say yes, you're committing because you have one single limited resource and that is time. And so you cannot uh, do all the other things that you could potentially be doing with that same amount of time. And so that distraction, yeah, it might, yeah, it, you know, give you a little extra bump in revenue or something, but in the long run, is it a strategic mistake essentially to, that's going to divert you out of your lane, uh, divert your attention away from really the end goal and make it much more difficult and tougher to achieve the success as quickly as what you could if you stayed strategic and within your lane and really focused the laser focus part of it. And so I myself, I've done that many times where you start chasing down, um, you know, a direction and, and then you kind of, you, you get so caught up in it and then you kind of lift your head up after, you know, weeks, months, uh, whatever it is. And you go like, how the heck did I end up over here? Like I zigged when I should have been zagging or something, right? right. It's, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. So I love that piece of advice. Now, just thinking back on your journey, I, I'm sure because you've been at this for a number of years now, um, there had to have been some mistakes along the way. And I think the best learnings come from the mistakes. Do you, do you have any mistakes that maybe you can share with our audience so they can hopefully learn from that and avoid making the same mistake? Where do I start? Where do I start? There's, there's more than just one then, is there? Exactly. I think I, yeah, I emailed you a list of about 101. Um, a, a couple of things that come to mind right now would be forecasting. Mm. Um, and just in a general term, you know, trying to forecast when you're starting out, it's so difficult. Yeah. Like forecasting sales, forecasting supplies, forecasting, you know, events, all of that stuff. And your even your time, um, because we often underestimate that, how much time it's going to take me to do something. Um, I mean, if you're a parent, you know, your life is basically a series of unfinished tasks, 
right? Yeah. And you're just like, how, I, how much time have I wasted on this? As an entrepreneur, same, same. Because you end up just going, what? I thought I, okay, no, oh. Just like we were talking about, you were at, all of a sudden you're at a dead end and you're just like, how did I get here? Yeah. Um, so I've made a couple of mistakes with forecasting uh, packaging. So for example, when we did the Toronto Christmas market, we were like, let's get packaging, let's do it. So we did it great, spent a lot of money, got a lot of packaging. And to this day, I still have a lot of that packaging. <laughs> so that when people, when I get, uh, you know, requests for donations, I'm like, yes, we'd love to give you to you individually packaged in our packaging because I have so much of it. Um, so there's that part of it where I was just like, yeah, that could have been good if I did the math a little bit better. Um, another mistake that I found I was making is that I was not making any time for myself mm. starting out and being a parent and, you know, moving and dogs, pets, all the things, right. Um, aging parents, I was doing everything for everybody else on every single thing, yeah. but not doing anything for me. Yeah. yeah. So I had to, I had to learn that, you know, finding joy, in things, um, going for walks, like all of the, the things that you would think about with self-care. But for me, it's also reading or meditating or spending time with friends or just closing down my laptop early. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point, especially I think it's there's a big exclamation mark that has been placed on that uh, statement through COVID, right? For yeah. entrepreneurs in particular, I think, because, you know, at the beginning of COVID, we, nobody knew what was going to happen. All the spending kind of stopped. Now your industry may be slightly different because maybe people were turning to the premium baked goods as a comfort food. And so maybe you were seeing some actual benefit from that, but there was so many other businesses, mine included, where, you know, the, the phone just stopped ringing for a few months. And so it was really, really scary as to, okay, well, what's going to happen? What's around the corner here? And so then it, it was just, you know, threw myself into it, just worked. And it felt like actually only recently, probably within the last six months where I've been able to kind of breathe a little bit and go, okay, it's, I'm not in crisis mode anymore. It, it, it was like the adrenaline kicked in and it was fight or flight, right? Uh, it was survival response. It's like, I have to do everything. Um, and I didn't do a good job of self-care uh, in the early uh, part of the pandemic in particular. So I like that you mentioned that because I think there's a lot of people out there that really were burnt out or are feeling burnt out today. And so, um, yeah, getting that back on track, the self-care is going to be really important for a lot of businesses. And if we, if we're not healthy, if we're not in the right state of mind, we can't lead our businesses. We can't keep on strategy. We get distracted more easily. There's so many negative things that are going to happen if the leadership of the company is stressed right out and, and overtired and, and, uh, yeah, just burnt out. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I did learn uh, in the social work career that I had is that you want to be able to create um, a plan for yourself. And I would do this for families and for individuals, but I, I create a plan for myself so that when a crisis comes up, I'm not reacting. 
I'm responding. And I think there's some, there's something to be said about having just a few things in your back pocket, just in your toolkit about ways that you know um, would help yourself and your family and the people around you who are living with you. Um, but I know that every January and certainly the past two Januaries, I really, really struggle with motivation mm-hmm. because I'm burnt out. I'm yeah. a last quarter business typically. Yeah. So I'm by January, I'm like, I can't go on a vacation right now. So what do I do? I just, you know, go to my room. Yeah. 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 It's so, really easy to fall yeah. into that. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I'm just curious about, um, you know, if you had the ability to go back in time at any point within your entrepreneurial journey. Okay. So right to the very beginning or right to 2014, when you were really jumping with both feet, um, so tell me a time in which you would go back to and what would you tell yourself then based off of everything that you know now, having lived through it already? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. So many things, like just so many things, like don't buy that piece of equipment, you don't need it, <laughs> right? You don't need a whatever it was that somebody talked me into. Um, or you don't have to have matching t-shirts when starting out. Like you don't have to have a uniform and you don't need keychains for your business when you're starting out. Um, I've spent so much time worrying about my branding and, and building a brand. And I was so fortunate to have my logo designed by, um, an international advertising company in Toronto and they did a pro bono if they they could use it in their in their branding I'm like yeah I think you can that's okay go for it um so I I spent a lot of time worrying oh should I get t-shirts should I have mugs should I have this well how about this Trisha how about you make some shortbread and then you sell it right so things like that um Make sure you, if you're hiring people, make sure you hire the right people and mm-hmm. make sure that they're smarter than you, right? You bring yeah. people in that will elevate you, elevate your brand, elevate the workspace and the culture. That's what you want. How, how do you figure that out when you're in the, uh, in the interview uh, stages of that hiring process? Any tips? Uh, yeah, I would... I love it. I love it when people that I'm interviewing ask me questions that it's not just so, um, you know, like what's, how much do I make per hour or what time do you guys close? Or do I get a discount on baked goods? It's more about, you know, where, Trisha, where would you see me in your company in five years? Or is there room for movements? Or I have a degree in this how do you think I would utilize it in this position? You know, things that yeah. things show me that you're interested. Yeah. And yeah. I often say to my staff, like, I don't have a big head office that funnels money into my bank account. Yeah. Like whatever's happening here in the bakery, any mistakes that get made, I have to eat them literally yeah. and figuratively, right? <laughs> <laughs> like they come out of my pocket. Yeah. So there's nobody funding this but me. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so you want to, yeah, you definitely need to have somebody that is uh, very interested. That's like you said, a, a good head on their shoulders and they're really taking the initiative, right. To, to help yeah. you grow the business. Yeah. 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 Really cool. Well, thank you for sharing some of that. I mean, sometimes it's really difficult to share the uh, you know, the, the mistakes and some of the sensitive uh, you know, history, right. Because sure. as an entrepreneur, I, I can't tell you how many mistakes I've made and, and how embarrassing some of them are. It's like, oh. I totally knew better. Uh, I tell people or I've coached people to do the exact opposite of what I just did. Like what the heck was I thinking? Uh, but you get caught up in that sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So um, how do people find uh, than you? Like how, how, how can somebody buy some crack? <laughs> this stuff okay. is yeah um so certainly online eatmysharpbread.com i have a very robust uh e-commerce business that's really what saved me during covid is i had all of that set up before covid um took over our lives and so i i saw a real increase in online sales which was amazing so amazing yeah. great um in Ontario, we are in Sobeys and Foodlands, select Sobeys and Foodlands across Ontario, as well as some other smaller retails. We're launching with Loblaws in Ontario, um, probably by June. So that's cool. Yeah, that'll be big, eh? Yeah, that'll be big. And it's always been my tagline to say to have, by, to have a piece of shortbread in the mouth of every Canadian by 2020. Yeah. I start, I've said that for probably nine years. Well, COVID, COVID had other ideas, but now I can say it's my goal to have a piece of shortbread in the mouth of every Canadian by 2022. Okay. It's about being flexible yeah. and responding. And uh, so my goal, of course, is to be a national brand in the next few years. Um, I think it's, and it's all coming, it's all happening. And all the learnings that I'm doing now are... And all the learnings I did before are all coming um, at this point because I've done that work and I've learned those lessons and still learning. Well, I tell you, all it's going to take is each Canadian to have a little bite of this um, or any one of, one of your other products. And uh, I think you're going to see the just wild success because it is truly uh, taking shortbread to a whole different level. Um, and uh, like I said, I grew up with a mother who is just an incredible baker. She would make all kinds of treats. And, and uh, yeah, this is, this is a whole other level. It's really, really great. So I encourage everybody to rush over to the online store. And that's uh, eatmyshortbread.com, right? Not .ca, .com? .com, that's dot com. right. And, and uh, purchase them, yeah. Yeah, and I have a, I have a discount code for first-time purchasers. Oh, um, excellent. It's bake me happy 10. <laughs> okay. And it's a one-time use code for, for new customers that come on and it gives you 10% off your first order. Excellent. Bake yeah. me happy 10. Okay. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time today, Trisha, uh, to come and share your story and to, uh, you know, just share some advice with us as well. So thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure. And if I can be of assistance to anyone else, just reach out and I'm happy to do that. Through Thank the website, you. I presume, or the some website, of the social channels? Absolutely. Yeah. Or the contact information on the website. That'd be good too. Okay. Excellent.
Well, there you have it, everybody. Another episode of Amplify Your Business is in the books. Thanks for watching. And if you're interested in checking out any of our past episodes, head over to amplifyyourbusiness.ca. That's where you're going to find all of our archives and as well, obviously, all of our future episodes as well. And if you happen to be an entrepreneur who has an interesting story that you'd like to share, there's an application form there. Just hit the button and you can apply to be on the show at a future date. So until next time, everybody take care and stay safe.